Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Anatomy of Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Natasha Khalil. As you know, I'm a personal trainer, an occupational therapist, and owner of Fit Mama Santa Barbara. And I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today. We will be talking about nutrition, nutrition as a mom, and how to help kids who have picky eating habits. I know you've all been there, I've been there, and so this is a great topic to address. So first, let me introduce our guest. We have Casey Flood with us. Casey is a nutritionist who specializes in maternal and child nutrition. She worked in public health as a nutrition counselor and now owns an online nutrition coaching business called Raising Tiny Foodies. I love that name. It's amazing. She educates moms on how to feel confident about nourishing themselves and their families by simplifying clean eating. She's passionate about encouraging moms to take care of themselves and build healthy habits that will last them and their littles a lifetime. She's also a mom of two. She has a two-year-old and a 10-month-old and a military spouse to a Green Beret. How interesting. And you're in Florida now, right? Do you move yes. around a lot? Um, luckily, with the job that he has, we kind of stick stick where we're put. So we're oh, here nice. until he's out. Yeah, which is the nice part. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So tell us a little bit about your online business and what you've been working on lately. And just about yeah, you. So, yeah. So, I mean, that was a good... That was a good summary. We got the gist of what I do, but I guess kind of like a background of how I got into it. So um, like you had mentioned, I worked in public health as a maternal and child nutrition counselor, and that was before I had kids. So I was um, counseling pregnant moms, um, breastfeeding moms, and moms with infants and toddlers. And then when I found out I was pregnant with my son, I decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I started going through all of these big experiences that I was coaching moms through and just realized there's a really big gap between the nutrition education that we were providing moms and families and the realities of motherhood. And so I felt very called to create a community where I could mesh kind of my background and my knowledge and my expertise in nutrition and feeding your kids with kind of my experience that I've gone in motherhood. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's so interesting because I feel like we were kind of on the same path there where we were both working in healthcare, working Mm -hmm. in with the community. And then when you experience it yourself, it really gives you a whole different perspective on what your clients had been going through. Mm -hmm. And that's what I found so interesting. It's like, I've been working with people through injuries and all these things, but until I really went through it myself, I was like, Hey, there is so much more to this than I was giving Mm -hmm. credit for. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it does, like you said, it shifts your perspective. And I think too, I mean, for me, especially, it was just like, the we weren't giving strategies and solutions to moms Mm -hmm. at least in what I was doing that were realistic or doable for us like our time is so limited we need easy quick things to implement throughout the day and I don't know so it just gave me that that perspective and what is mostly your demographic are we talking moms with new babies are we talking moms with older kids what does that look like So typically it's kind of on the younger, um, I would say like babies, infants to toddlers. I do have moms obviously who have older kids, um, but it tends to kind of be the younger age. I would say I I don't really have any moms that have teenagers unless they also have children who are younger. Right. That makes sense. So it's like if they have a new baby and an older kid at home, then it's kind of finding out how to feed the whole family and make it work. Yeah. So that leads us into our topic. Let's talk about picky eating. So what what do you even, how would you even describe picky eating from your perspective? What does that look like? 
So I think it just, I, I mean, you can have a picky eater, but I really think it's like in terms of like selective eating. So we yes. kind of, um, we'll kind of like label our kids, you know, oh, they're a picky eater, but I mm-hmm. feel like it comes in waves. It's like phases that they go through where they're just selective with the foods that you're offering. So you'll right. start to notice that, you know, maybe they were eating a lot of foods and they were what you would consider a good eater. And then all of a sudden you're putting these things on their plate that you feel like they're going to eat and then they're not touching it. They're not eating Uh it. They're saying that's gross. So it's kind of like a hat, like I would say picky eating habits of just not being super receptive to the foods that you're putting on their plate. Yes, absolutely. And I, Mm -hmm. it's interesting that you said it kind of comes in waves because I definitely remember that with Addison. So my daughter's eight now. And when we started, I've, I've always cooked fairly healthy. I make a lot of food at home and she would eat anything. Like when she started eating pretty much anything you put in front of her, she would eat. And then we kind of hit this wall of she no longer liked broccoli and she no longer liked this. And all she wanted to eat was pasta. And you're kind of like, what happened? I We were doing well, right? I was the one bragging to people like, oh, my kid eats anything. <laughs> so that why was, does that happen? I, Is it a developmental thing? Like why do kids kind of go through that? I think, cause I find it usually always happens. And I don't know if it happened around this age for you, but it's always between that like 18 and 24 months. I feel like is when they hit that first, you know, picky Mm -hmm. eating phase. And I, I don't know if it's developmental necessarily, but I think it's just them kind of realizing that they have a say in, I don't have to eat the food that's in front of me and them kind of testing boundaries at the dinner table. Like if I don't eat this, what is she going to do? You know, Um, that makes sense because that's definitely when kids start to develop more autonomy. And we all Mm -hmm. remember two-year-olds will tell you exactly what they want and exactly (laughs) what they don't want. So you're right. I think that ties into the food a lot as well. I also mm-hmm. feel from an occupational therapy perspective that a lot of that has to do with textures that has come mm-hmm. up a lot with, and I'm sure you hear that from your clients, all of a sudden kids develop aversions to certain textures. And I realized that with my daughter for a little while, she wouldn't eat anything that was like really creamy. She wasn't into like a creamy texture. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden it was something else and she kind of grew out of that. So I think a lot of it is, yeah, just kind of testing different things and figuring out what works, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, And so let's go through, like, give me your three best tips for helping a child kind of break through the picky eating habits. Yeah. So by far, like my biggest tip, the one that I am always sharing, because I feel like it's worked for me in my household. And I know it's worked for a lot of moms that I've kind of coached through this Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a mistake. And then what we should be doing instead. So when your child starts to be selective with foods at the dinner table, what we tend to do as moms in response to that is be selective in the foods that we're offering them. So you'll start to be like, Oh, they don't like that. Or, Oh, they're not going to eat that anymore. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of just narrow down the foods that we offer to those foods we know they're going to eat. And we stop offering those new foods or the foods that they've rejected in the past. And so um, avoiding doing that. So when they start to get selective, don't start to get selective with your your offering, the foods that you're offering. Start to really make sure that you're offering those new foods. So it's basically regular exposure to Mm. new and previously rejected foods. I love that. this can make Yeah, this can make moms uncomfortable sometimes. And it was something I realized was a little bit uncomfortable. We never want to put a plate of food in front of our kids that we know they're not going to eat anything, right? It's just a little bit unsettling as moms. We want to make sure when they get up from the table that they they at least have something in their belly. So I always recommend 
when you're doing this to make sure you have a safe food on the plate. So something, you know, that they're going to eat, Uh um, and then making sure you have like small little like sides, I would say, um, would be those new and previously rejected foods. Interesting. And so what happens if they only eat the potatoes or whatever their, their food that they do eat? Yeah. So that's super common. And yeah. for the first like few times you do this, it's probably going to be the result. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole goal here is that we're continuing to expose them to the foods rather Got than it. never exposing them because it kind of sends you further into that picky eating cycle and it's going to be harder to get back out of it. So yes. just making sure that they're comfortable with those foods, they're foods that are being offered and are normalized in your house. Mm-hmm. And eventually, hopefully the thought is that what I've always witnessed is eventually they will start to, once they kind of get out of that phase, they'll start to pick up those foods a little bit more. Interesting. I love that. I keep thinking about, and this is just a funny segue, my cousin. So we were maybe three months apart. We grew up very, very close. She was essentially like my sister. And for the longest time, all she would eat was mashed potatoes and corn. And I'm talking like every dinner, every meal. And her parents finally just got to the point where they, that's all they would put on her plate because they knew that's what she was going to eat. And so this is really interesting. It's almost like mm-hmm. to still fill their plate, knowing that they're not going to eat it. And eventually they keep seeing it there. They keep getting exposed to it. They might go and try the chicken or whatever that looks yeah. like. Yeah. Cause when we stop offering it, then it almost kind of becomes like this foreign food. So then when it is reintroduced or in a setting where sure. it's being offered, it's kind of like, what is this? And why is it on my plate? <laughs> yes. No, absolutely. I love that. All right. Awesome. Yeah. So tip number two, what else you got? Tip number two would be to create a pressure-free mealtime. So a lot of times I see and I, and this is not a bad thing because I think it's just a natural reaction of how we deal with picky eating at the dinner table and picky eating habits is, um, and by pressure, uh, pressure tactics, I mean like bribery or yes. punishment in the form of like, you know, if you, they're asking for more of, I don't know, mac and cheese right. and you say, you know, you, if you take two more bites of, um, <laughs> your carrots, you can get more mac and cheese or punishment of you can get up from the dinner table if you eat one or two more bites of your carrots. So kind of avoiding using those pressure tactics, because a lot of times that can create a negative association with the food or just with mealtime and food in general, especially punishment at the dinner table. So Mm -hmm. kind of removing the pressure from those foods, it's going to make them in a sense, feel more comfortable. We want them to eat the food because they want to eat the food, right? Rather than forcing them. Um, So it creates that I guess that removing that pressure makes them feel a little bit more comfortable at mealtime. And then Mm. we're not creating those negative eating habits that can really be detrimental later on in life. Yes. And that has come up so much. I have talked about this with many different clients because we're all, a lot of us grew up in the nineties. We all know Mm. the way that we were taught to view food and weight loss and what you eat and all of that. And a lot of that eat two more bites of your chicken and labeling foods as good and bad and rewarding kids with food, which it's, I I have done it sometimes too, because we're not Mm -hmm. perfect, but (laughs) it's like, if you eat your chicken, you can have dessert and Mm -hmm. breaking out of those habits can be really hard. But now we know, because we know as adults, what kind of effect that has on our mental state and how we view food and our our relationship with food. 
and how hard it is to change that as an adult. I know even for myself, just having that breaking out of that relationship with food of, okay, if I eat my meat, I can have ice cream like that. That's not a good association to have. Yeah. It's not a healthy relationship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> totally. So I'm glad you brought that up because there's, yeah, yeah there's a lot of content coming out about that right now. And it's good. It's good awareness for us as moms to just realize the impact that our words have. Yeah. On our kids later on, especially when it comes to food and mealtime. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Let's move on to tip number three. So tip number three, I would say is going to be, um, I would, I guess to like sum this up is we really just want to get them I've said this word a couple of times, but like comfortable with the food. And so uh-huh. I guess this is like, I guess this like breaks off into a little, like few separate tips, but yeah. um, in a sense of just having them be aware of those types of foods. So if you're going to be, I always work with moms who are wanting to right eat better, level up their nutrition. So a lot of them, their kids haven't really been introduced or really around a lot of different fruits or vegetables. And so yeah. then when they're um, offering them, they're kind of like, picky or we're, we're categorizing them as being picky eaters because they're not right. being super like welcoming to the food. So if you're going to be introducing these new types of foods at the dinner table, I really recommend outside of dinner time or mm. lunchtime, whatever that be, um, also introducing them to these foods. So any type of books that you can buy, Amazon has a ton of books um, about that fruits, vegetables, eating healthy, um, mealtime behaviors, like what are man- interesting at the dinner table. Yeah. Um, so kind of outside of mealtime yeah, I, I never even thought of that. That's a really good tip. Yeah. And the same goes with the grocery store. I always say get them involved at the grocery store, especially I know kids are picky with produce. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have them you go to go to the grocery store, talk about it while you're walking around the grocery store, talk about different foods, ask mm-hmm. them what color things are, ask them, you know, do you want to pick out your favorite fruit? And then let's pick out a new fruit to try. I love that. Like that. To just and get them involved. Yeah. And we all know with kids it's so helpful to give them choices and to make them feel like they have a say in something. And even if honestly, you could be like, how do you want to pick the red apple or the green apple? Right. It's still an apple, but the fact that they pick the green one, they're going to be far more likely to want to eat that because it Mm -hmm. came from their choice. It's not you imposing something on them. And that I had learned as a mom a long time ago that giving my child, I'm like, do you want to wear the black pants or the blue pants? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) It made such a difference. Especially with like food in general, we're in control of a lot of things when it comes to food. So we buy the food, we cook the food. They don't really have a whole lot of control in that sense. So sometimes just giving them that little bit of control um, is really helpful. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. And, and I like too bringing your kid to the grocery store with you because a lot of us see that as being very stressful. Like if you're bringing your two kids to the grocery (laughs) store, you're like, Oh my gosh, this is stressful. (laughs) But I think that that's a good point is that it's still exposing them to new foods and new ideas and creating that conversation. Even if it's with your 10 month old, you're yeah. still, you're talking to them, you're using new words. And I think that's just a really rewarding thing to do. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to go to the grocery store by yourself every once in a while. Yeah. And I think that's totally justified. <laughs> yes. Or do grocery pickup. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I like that. That's a great tip. Yeah. And then I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about, just we can touch on it is How do we nourish ourselves when we're so busy trying to nourish our children? Because 
I know a lot of moms, you get stuck in that rut of just eating off your kids' plates. You're kind of the one who's eating all the leftovers. You're picking up the leftover chicken fingers. And we all know that that probably is not enough nourishment for us. That's not going to fuel your body if you're going to work out. And if that's what lunch looks like, you're probably going to be starving by the time you hit dinner. And so then you end up falling into different patterns. So how can we avoid that? What are some good tips for moms to focus on their own nutrition when we know, okay, your kid is probably not going to eat quinoa and vegetables. (laughs) So how can you find a balance between that? Yeah. So this is really good. This is like one of the things that was really hard for me after I became a mom, I was so overwhelmed by Mm -hmm. mealtime and just cooking meals. I never especially because it's kind of my jam. Like I love cooking. Yes. I'm a nutritionist, right? This is this right. is my area of expertise. Like, this Why should come so easy to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so it did. It took me quite a while to kind of figure it out because I was, we especially, I mean, at that time we had just had a newborn, so he wasn't eating food yet, but still just like trying to find time in your day to <laughs> cook a decent yeah. meal for yourself. We were turning to a lot of like going out to eat and eating those more processed type foods that just kind of made us feel like crap or I wasn't eating at all to be honest my breakfast was coffee lunch I was lucky if I got anything in it was usually something I grabbed on the way to yeah and that is so common I think that's the number one thing with my clients is that they actually don't eat enough during the day because they're too busy taking care of the kids yeah you forget and it's it's just Mm -hmm. like I don't know I don't know why it's so hard for us to remember to eat, but when there's too much going on, we just forget about ourselves. Totally. It's another task. (laughs) Yes. So um, the biggest thing that I've learned for me to help, there's kind of two things, which is meal planning and meal prepping. And this Mm -hmm. is why I have a meal plan membership is because I believe this is just like a staple for moms. Like you should definitely be meal planning if you are struggling to get three decent nutrient dense meals in every day. Um, because it eliminates that issue of you standing when you do remember to eat, you standing in your kitchen wondering, what am I going to eat? I'm just going to grab a handful of almonds from the pantry because that's easy. And I, someone's crying and I have to go and help them. So having that plan in place. So you already know, okay, it's breakfast time and this is what I'm cooking for the kids. Maybe this is, you're cooking something different for yourself, but it's there. And it also gives you the opportunity to really sit down and think of meals that are, that you can make that both you and your kids can eat. So I'm a big fan of like the oh, I love meals. That. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you're not having to make two different things, or maybe it's just, you're tweaking their meal a little bit to be a little bit more kid friendly, but you're just making one thing rather than two right. separate meals. Exactly. So if you're making chicken, maybe you're making it, you're leaving it plain for the kids and then sprucing it up a little bit for yourself and the rest of your family. I love that. So wait, hold on. You mentioned meal plan membership. I need to know more about this. (laughs) Yeah. So I have a, it's just the Raising Tiny Foodies meal plan membership. It's Uh a monthly uh, meal plan subscription for busy moms to help them get nutrient dense meals on the table, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. And just to kind of make cooking at home easy and nutritious. I'm a big, big advocate for, I guess, like my, um, I don't know what you want to say, like philosophy, my way of teaching nutrition. I'm a very clean eating focus. So really um, focusing on cooking more meals at home, making more from scratch and really digging into those ingredient lists on the foods that we're buying. So Mm-hmm. Again, one of that those first components is cooking more meals at home, which can be really hard for us as moms. So just yeah. trying to help moms get there a little bit quicker with the meal plan subscriptions. So and yeah, so do you include recipes and grocery lists? Does it have everything included? 
Yeah. So every month you get your four weeks, it's four weeks at a time, your meal plans planned out. It's a family meal plan. And then I have an alternate meal plan on there. Again, it's just like I talked about those little tweaks that may make it a bit more kid friendly. And Mm -hmm. also I have notes for baby led weaning on there. So if you have an infant who's eating solid foods, yeah. So that's on there. Each week you have your grocery list as well as a meal prep task sheet. So stuff you can do on Sunday or during the weekend to kind of get you prepped and ready for the week. I love that because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of things that you probably can do ahead of time, like chop up vegetables or prepare Mm -hmm. whatever, a piece of it so that it doesn't seem so overwhelming. Because I remember I, when I went back to work, I really dove into meal prepping ahead of time because I knew I was the one too, where if I didn't have meal uh, food prepared, I wasn't going to eat all day. And sometimes it would take me like four or five hours on Sunday, because by the time you had everything up and make your first batch of meals, and then you're making the oatmeal and then you're doing this and it was exhausting. But Mm -hmm. if I had someone break down for me, the things I could have done ahead of time, it probably Mm -hmm. wouldn't have felt so hard. (laughs) Yeah. And I really do try to like the meals that I plan are meant to be like less than 30 minutes for you to cook. So a lot of times we're not having to do a ton of meal prep on Sunday because the meals that we've planned throughout the week are already quick and easy. But I do usually have in the meal plan membership, we do a meal plan, two meals on Saturday or Sunday. And those are, we alternate between those for lunch throughout the week. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. what I find. That's one of the things I recommend to my clients. I'm like, pick two things that you like and eat them like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) because it's not enough to get bored of it, but it makes it so much simpler when you're making the same thing. Yeah. And it's nice too, because my husband obviously works outside of the home. And so it gives us, you know, each a lunch to take. And then it's kind of there. Which one do you want to eat today? So we're not Ah. eating just the same thing every single day. Yeah. Yes. Love that. That's great. Well, this was awesome. Thank you so much for your tips. I think this gives people a really good starting off point of, all right, how do we identify if our child is a picky eater? Are they actually a picky eater? Or are we just not offering them enough choices? And then tying in how to take care of our own nutrition while still providing for our kids. So using that method of making a tweak to the meals, I think is genius because yes, I then it's something you end up doing kind of innately anyways, but it's nice to have somebody being like, okay, this is what you're making for you. And this is how you take it for the kids. Make, make it kid friendly. I love that. Um, So tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So I'm most active on Instagram at raising.tiny.foodies. I love it. Perfect. And I'm going to put these all in the show notes because you also have a website where you have your nutrition and meal planning for moms um, Mm -hmm. and a Facebook group. Yeah. I do have my Facebook group. Well, it's fairly new, but um, I am trying to start that up. So I'd love to have anybody. It's um, We just focus on nutrition, meal planning. It's kind of a one-stop place for you to kind of join a community of moms who are like-minded mm-hmm. and also wanting to kind of make those healthier choices for their family. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you for yeah. being here today. I appreciate your time. And yeah, thank I'm going to find you on Instagram so I can see some of these yummy meals you've been making. Perfect. I'd love that. <laughs> All right. Have a great day. Thank you for listening. And I will see you guys next week on the Anatomy of Motherhood podcast.